You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. The Bible and Satan referring to the original works used in the Bible for correct translations of slanderer, false accuser, adversary, and things like that, demonstrate that the real meaning of Satan and devil can be easily understood in context exactly as meant and not as a supernatural being. We don't have to worry about a supernatural force warring to take control of our senses and our ambitions. We can focus on aspiring to Christ's return and the kingdom of God, soon to be established upon the earth, with Jesus Christ as King reigning from Jerusalem in Israel. The devil and Satan are both sort of intertwined when we're considering scripture because um, they both have fairly similar sort of concepts. But we're going to look at the, uh, the purpose of Christ as well, to try and take a more positive, sort of upbeat uh, and exciting message about what really the scriptures are saying when we look at these, uh, these uh, references. And then we can consider specifically to answer then the title of the talk, then what do we mean by the term Satan? And then at the end, we're going to consider how it might affect you or I in our lives. So then firstly, let's, let's have a little think about the devil. Um, so how many times is the devil recorded in the Old Testament? Anyone know? Hands up, guess. 10, 20, 30, 40, 40 50, hundreds? Any idea? Ballpark? 50, round number. Right, I think we had the right answer here. I'm going to spare everyone else. It's actually zero. So the devil doesn't occur for the first 4,000 years of the Bible. All right? So it's a pretty wonderful answer for those people who are debating them about the whether this is truly a supernatural war going on between God or Jesus and the, the, and the, and the devil. Well, the devil doesn't appear. Now, surely that's a pretty wonderful uh, rebuff to someone who's saying, well, actually, surely if the devil was this supernatural being, we would have come across him. Well, they might then answer and say, well, we don't read of the devil in one of his greatest disguises by making, tricking you into not knowing he's there, but we do read of, the, of Satan in the Old Testament. So we will consider, I think that's just the door, nothing else. Um, okay, maybe not. Someone go and check. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's true. So the word devil doesn't actually occur. So that's a more, a more of a Greek term. So in, uh, it's because the New Testament is originally written in Greek, isn't it? When that's translated then back into English, the, the Greek word is diabolos. And that just means a slanderer or false accuser. And in some places, if we come to First Timothy, we're going to turn some of these up because like, um, I don't want you to be uh, bored by my voice. I've been speaking this morning as well. So come to First Timothy 3, and it's good for us to get that muscle memory and that mind memory in place. We know where it is on the page. When we're answering the questions to those around of us, our friends, our colleagues, First Timothy 3 verse 11, we, we read here that it's, it's translated as slanderers, and that is the same word which could have been translated devil. Now it says here, even so must their wives be grave, grave, not slanderers, not devils. Um, and and that, just, that just means that they, they've got to not slander or, or be 
a, uh, a false accuser. And so that, that's a wonderful reference we could just turn to and say, look, you know, that, that, that word there, when it's talking about them being a slanderer, is the same word as the devil. So it could be translated there as devil. In Titus 2, verse 3, let's flick over to Titus. Um, and the, the, here you'll read that actually this same word, which is diabolos, is translated as false accuser. In verse 3, once again, it says, In due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the command of... Uh, wrong, wrong, wrong chapter, sorry. Chapter uh, 2, verse 3, sorry. Um, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers. All right? So not the diabolos. So that word diabolos has been translated in these two books, either side here, as different words, as false accusers or slanderers. And so... Had the translators of the scriptures adhered to the rule that they just applied, because it makes sense when you read it in those, those verses, doesn't it? Had they every other time when you read the word devil said something similar like a false accuser or a slanderer, we would never have come across this connotation of this being a supernatural, immortal, evil being. And so we would never really have gone down that route. Our minds wouldn't have got to that route, I would suggest. So with that sort of very small introduction to the concept of the devil, we're going to look at it in a bit deeper in a moment. Let's have a little think about what the purpose of Christ is. Now, you'll all be aware of Christ, who he is, because we're believers and we're wanting to learn more about him, or we're students and wanting to learn more about him. The purpose, for this purpose, the Son of God, we read in 1 John 3, was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. All right, so this might be where someone might say, hang on, you said all that before, but why is Jesus needing to destroy the works of the devil? What does this mean? Well, once again, it's that same word, diablos. And, and actually, what we, we're going to look at now over the next few slides is how that Jesus, he possessed our same nature. And through his nature, through death, he was going to destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Okay, so through his death, he was going to destroy the him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Well, if we take that verse and, and compare it to 1 Corinthians 15, it says here the sting or the power of death is sin. Okay, so if we put those two concepts together, all right, put those two things together, we understand what, what we can think about here is the devil really is referring to sin. And that sin was destroyed by Christ's death, as we read in Hebrews 2, verse 14. And so it's, it's quite a good one for us to, to mark up and, and, and write down in, in our Bible. So if you, if you do turn up there, just, we'll just quickly read it once more, just to get it really fixed in our heads. Uh, because this man, uh, we know Jesus, who suffered all his, uh, in all the ways that we have, he, he also himself, likewise the same, that through death he might destroy him that hath the power of death, that is, the devil. And the devil is this personification of sin in human flesh. And that's what Christ destroyed. You might say, well, I'm still struggling with that concept. How, how did it really happen? Well, Christ, what did he do? He voluntarily submitted to death. And he publicly demonstrated that human flesh was only fit for, for death because it was a false accuser of God. And he lived this perfectly sinless life, and he suppressed every impulse to sin. And though he was, like we read in Hebrews, tempted in all points like as we are, he was yet without sin. And he declared God just because he condemned a sinful man to death. So this explanation 
of the word devil as sin in the flesh agrees with all the passages of scripture where the word occurs. So we can think of sin and death as cause and effect. If Christ came to destroy him that had the power of death, then he came to take away sin, didn't he? And John 1 attests to this where it says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And Hebrews 9, if you uh, just flick over there now, you should still be open in Hebrews. Hebrews 9 and verse 26, we read about the suffering of, of Jesus and also the fact that he conquered sin once again. For Hebrews 9 and verse 26, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So through his sacrifice of his life, he's put away sin. And we know from Romans, Romans chapter 5, verse 12, by one man, who's that one man? Anyone answer, perhaps one of the younger ones? By one man, sin entered into the world. Who was that one man? And death by sin, any answers? Adam. Yeah, the answer's on the screen, good job. I know you didn't see it though, great. So through Adam's disobedience um, to God's law, he brought upon this sinful nature and it came upon all of his progeny for like brings forth like, doesn't it? And so the punishment God's declared, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Well, Adam, what did he do? He chose to believe the serpent rather than God. So in his actions, he falsely accuses God of lying because he chooses to believe the serpent. He says, no, you know, I'm not going to die. And so he, his actions choose, choose, choose to basically say, God, you're, you're lying. I don't believe you. I don't trust you. So he was then a false accuser. And he brought the condemnation of death and sin to all men. But then Christ, in contrast, what happens with Christ? Well, Christ, the second Adam, by perfect obedience to all of God's laws, brought life and immortality to light. And he destroyed the false accuser. And the Bible does also talk about the devil in context of the devil within and without. So that's something we might want to just quickly conceptualize in our lives. So sometimes it speaks about it being a human being, and sometimes it speaks about it in the form of, of governments and powers. And I've put two examples there on the screen. In 1 Peter chapter 5, we read about the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. And here, what Peter's really referring to is the Roman power which persecuted the early Christians. In the Gospel of John, Christ speaks of Judas and says, have not I chosen you 12 and one of you is a devil? And it was Judas, we know, who falsely accused Christ to the rulers of the Jews. So we've got the two different types then of the devil being either personified in a person or as, as, a, as a system. And there are multiple other occasions where that could be applicable. So with the concept then where we're understanding the devil a little bit more, the tonight's topic was the Bible and Satan. So to understand the, the relationship of Christ, the purpose of Christ, to understand what the, the role of the devil was in, and what perhaps it means when we're considering the devil, who then is Satan? Well, in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we read of Satan, and it's translated as Satan about 56 times. But it's interesting, once again, that the translators haven't done us many favors here. The word Satan, like the word devil, 
is not correctly translated. It was originally a Hebrew word, which is then adopted into the Greek language as well. And finally, it's translated into the English translation of both the Old and New Testaments. And it's more correctly rendered adversary. And I'm sure most of you would know this. So when you think of the word Satan, you're going to think of the word adversary. And indeed, there's plenty of places in the Old Testament where it's been translated such. So you would read it simply as adversary. Come with me to 1 Kings chapter 11. And here we're going to read an example of when it was translated as such. 1 Kings 11, verse 4. 14, sorry. Wrong verse. Um, there we go. And, uh, and the Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon, Hadad the Edomite. He was the king's seed in Edom. Okay, so here, this, this adversary, this is a Satan. So it's the same word there as Satan. All right, so that, that man was acting as an adversary, as a Satan. And in fact, when you look at the occurrence of the word Satan in the Old Testament, not once would you have any association with a fallen angel. So you might have heard of people saying, oh, Satan was one of the fallen angels which is just not true, and it's not something which Scripture supports at all. If you, when you come across the word Satan, always just think of it as the word adversary. If you read the word adversary each time, or someone who's almost blocking or trying to ruin the outcome with the person who's speaking or trying to achieve something, all the difficulty which we're speaking of has been removed. It becomes very clear and very comprehensible that we're dealing with a very simple concept. In fact, in the New Testament, come with me to Matthew chapter 16. This is one of the, the most famous ones. Is when Peter is called a Satan by, by Christ. All right, so um, come with me to uh, Matthew chapter 16. And here, reading in verses 21 to 23. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But Jesus turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offence unto me, for thou savourest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So here we have this, this man, Peter, who's making himself an adversary. And it, and it, and it would make no sense that if, you know, if there really was a supernatural being, a devil or a, or a Satan, a fallen angel, which, why would Jesus call Peter that? It would make no sense at all. So clearly, Christ is using this as an example to say, you're being an adversary. You're stopping my, my process. My, you're stopping my plan and what I'm trying to do here. And we, we've got to, we can also Take a little exhortation from that. We've got to make sure we're not standing in the way of God's will. So we've got to not be uh, an adversary to God's plan. We've got to make sure we're not being a Satan. Because clearly, if, if uh, an amazing disciple like Peter can be Satan, then surely so much the more we could be also. So we do need to take heed that we're not standing in the, the way of God's purpose. And so there's a very strong lesson for learning, isn't it? For when we seek to understand Bible teaching, that we really need to look at what the original language is saying. Look at the original Greek, look at the original Hebrew. 
Look at really what the question's about. Maybe use a concordance or an online platform such as an online Bible. And we can really see then, as we've considered this evening, that the devil and Satan are really misconstrued by faulty translations. And that's usually the, the reason for people having the misunderstanding in the, in the commonplace secular society we see today. So, what does it mean for me? Well, because Christ has overcome the sin, because he's overcome the devil, through his sacrifice, we, all of us, have hope which is the wonderful news when we're considering the, the devil, that we don't have to worry about there being a supernatural force warring in the heavens and warring to take control of us. We don't have to worry about that at all. That's not a scriptural concept. That's not a scriptural teaching. In fact, we've considered how that Christ overcame the devil. That battle is already over. And so the hope we have is that Christ will return to set up a kingdom on earth, and he's going to reign forever on that earth, isn't it? And so we then all have the choice. Do we want to be in the kingdom too? If we do, we need to be baptized into the saving name of Christ and to follow in his footsteps. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org if you enjoyed the episode then please share it with others until next time may god bless you in your studies and your walk towards god's kingdom amen